there are a number of factors to consider as a new farmer. In our previous episode, we took a deep dive at production planning, and this week we're zooming in on labor relations. Dr. Umpo Maja, the Director of Animal Health at the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development in the Northwest, highlights some of the toughest blows SA Agri has dealt with over the past 2 years. We kick off a new segment this week called Farms, Food and Future, powered by Andamat Madumbi. Our focus, bio-rational crop solutions because after all, we need to change the way food is grown. A biospecialist Mark Hutton gives us the 101 on soil and root health. We share some highlights from On the Front Lines of Food Safety, a webinar presented by Fairplay and Food from Zanzi. Now during the webinar, experts shared some light on the issues surrounding food safety in South Africa. Our Agripreneur 101 segment features juice and condiment maker Zukiswe Rekhana. She says you need surprisingly little to start your own small business. And on top of our reading list this week is a book titled Start Your Own Business, the only startup book you'll ever need by Riva Lasansky. And our farmer tip of the week comes all the way from Northwest livestock farmer Ipeling Kwadi. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. from South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey, I'm Zanzi and welcome to episode 99 of Food from Zanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I am Donumdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food from Zanzi, and joining me is my co-host Duncan Masiwa. Hey, Don, can you feel the energy leading up to our 100th episode? I don't know about you, but I definitely can. And I can't wait to celebrate with our listeners from the 92 different countries across the globe. But first, our colleague Nicole Ludov zooms in on labor relations. She chats to certified business advisor Willem van Jaarsveld about the aspects every new farmer needs to know. Thank you so much, Dawn and Duncan. Willem, can you tell us a bit about how an aspiring farmer can best go about planning their labor needs? Labor planning, in a certain sense. is the most important of all your planning because it's about people but if you ask me for only five crucial things to point out i think the first one is know what skills you will need and when in the production cycle you will need these skills the second point be sure about the smallest number of laborers needed at any time What about management structure? The third one, the structure of your management is very very important. There can't be only one manager and a lot of just laborers. There must be a management personnel management structure, a proper one in place. Is planning housing for your workers essential to labor plans? The fourth point is housing. Think about the people that you want to work for you. Where will they be situated? Are they going to stay with you on the farm or somewhere else? And if it's on the farm with you, do you have proper housing in place? The fifth, the last one, cost of labor is not wage only. When you think about what I've said the previous four points, 
Think about where the labor is coming from. Will there be transport? How productive can you manage labor so that it is the least costly? The other thing is ineffective management adds quite a lot of cost to labor. So when planning for labor, there is much more than this five. But I think, in my opinion, this five pointers will put you on the track of a proper labor planning within your business plan. Thanks, Nicole. And always great having you, Willem van Jaarsveld. Willem is, of course, a certified business advisor. Now, for more information, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za. Next up, Dr. Mpo Maja, the Director of Animal Health at the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development in the Northwest, highlights some of the toughest blows SA Agri has dealt with over the past two years. Dr. Maja, what has been some of the biggest blows in Mzanzi when it comes to managing livestock and the diseases affecting them? I think the past two years have really had a number of disease outbreaks upon us. We have had quite a number of foot and mouth disease outbreaks. We've had three so far in the in the free zone, two in Limpopo and now one in, in KZN. So that was the biggest blow in the industry. And then those African swine fever that require everybody and their awareness. And then we also have highly pathogenic avian influenza that is also very difficult to control and prevent because it is transmitted by wild birds. And equally, African swine fever is also transmitted by warthog, which nobody owns. They just roam around and pass the disease if they are infected. So those are some of the blows. But the biggest blow in the recent few weeks, months, has been rabies. The rabies situation is really, really one that has been a blow. There's been a number of children losing their lives. Just this year alone, I don't have the figures, but I think just this year alone, we are sitting at over 10 children that have lost their lives. As a mother, it's not a nice thing to hear. And as a professional, honestly, you sit back and you think, am I doing enough? to prevent these losses. What more can we do as a nation? So rabies has been one of really the biggest blows. Where do you see South African livestock and animal health developing within the next five years? The partnership, honestly, I'm very, very hopeful. I see a good, bright future. But with that optimism, all relationships, all partnerships have their problems, their ups and downs. As I was preparing for this interview, I actually thought, but I think we've been in honeymoon stage, you know, we haven't had too many fights and we've just most of the time been in agreement and where we don't agree, we move on, we find an alternative solution and we move on. So in the next five years, if we keep these partnerships going and strengthen them even further, I honestly see us having an animal health that we would be proud of and also systems that are sustainable which is most important because there's no point in, for example, controlling FMD and not having a sustainable system. So with the current relationships, I think we would have sustainable systems. And there's also a number of projects that we are working on with industries, and that is going to bring, again, sustainability and better animal health. So five years from now, we should be seeing a very nice, lucrative livestock industry with fewer health problems. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Mpo Maja, Director of Animal Health at the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development in the Northwest.
We now change gears from animal health to soil and root health. And we are excited about this brand new segment called Farms, Food and Future, powered by Andamat Madumbi. Yes, the much-loved company has recently rebranded, but their understanding that nature leads innovation remains unchanged. Our focus? Bio-rational crop solutions. And this week, bio-specialist at Andamat Madumbi, Mark Hutton, gives us the 101 on soil and root health. Mark, great to have you with us here on Farmers Inside Track. And maybe just to kick off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you fit into the agri-space? Dawn, thank you very much for having me. And it's a great honor and privilege to be chatting to you guys. Got a lot of farming background. I farmed for 25 years, ran a beef sheep operation and slowly started bringing in more intensive operations and a small piggery going. And ultimately, I landed up having a 40,000 layer unit. So we've been through, where do we start? Here's a piece of land. Where do we start? What enterprises do you look at? And obviously, at one stage, I had five different enterprises that I ran to try and see what's going to do the best for me. So ultimately, the egg operation was where it happened. But I had a lot of, of this experience with planting maize, dry beans, soyas, working with the soil. It's actually there where I saw for myself firsthand quickly managed to degenerate the good soils I had because they were agricultural soils that had been lying, that had been hayland, so they had been untouched for 25 years. There's no ripping and disking. They were alive. When we started there, the soils were really alive. I see the soil food web as an operation. At that point, I didn't realize what I was seeing really. I understood clearly that worms meant a living soil. Obviously, I know a lot now since then. But within three, four years, I started to see a decrease in production. And that's when I started to ask myself the questions, what am I doing to my soils that's creating a decrease in yields? And I've been doing the same thing for the last three years. Nothing had changed. And that's another question for yourself too. Soils are a living thing. There's change all the time. Yet we continue to do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a better result. So yeah, that's where the soils started to ignite my thinking. And your passion is soil and root health. Now, to kick off this campaign, Biorational Crop Solutions with Andamat Madumbi, you're the first one that we're featuring. And my first question to you is healthy roots and soil, like you mentioned, are essential for the production of nutrient-dense food. Why is this so vital, especially for new farmers starting their agribusinesses? Well, I think the first thing we've got to consider is what does healthy soil look like? There's obviously different variations of the definition. But ultimately, if you look at, let's call it an unhealthy soil, you've got sand, silt, and clay. And that's traditionally what we've got mostly in agriculture at the moment. That's literally a place where you put a seed and from there you start applying everything else, your fertilizers, your chemicals. Where if you're looking for a healthy soil, a healthy soil has got to have microbes in the soil and it's got to have carbon or organic matter. And that constitutes a healthy soil. So it's sand, silt, clay, microbes, organic matter, slash carbon. If you don't have those last two, then you don't have a healthy soil. And then if you're looking at, I mean, you're trying to build nutrient density. So in an unhealthy environment, as I've explained, in today's agriculture, commercially, we're looking at unhealthy soils, for lack of a better word. And because of that, we've got to add nutrition, such as nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, sulfur, calcium, and also recently, the guys have been, well, not just recent, but they've been starting to add boron, zinc, magnesium, 
So the first six essential elements that we see for healthy plants, but uh, I just keep asking myself the question, what about all the other nutrients that a plant needs that we're not putting back into the soil? So we put the six plus the few extra I spoke about. Where's the rest coming from to make a healthy plant? Because we're not applying it. And that's why my feeling is that we don't have a nutrient-dense crop or food being produced because we're taking this conventional system about applying these minerals or nutrients. So to get the full range of nutrients to the plant, the extras have got to come from the soil. But if we also don't have a living soil, and microbes obviously make up a living soil, microbes are what make nutrients available to your plants at the right time and the right quantity. So it's essential that we have the microbes back in the soil and our soils don't have those microbes. And if we want to build nutrient-dense food, we've got to have carbon and we've got to have microbes in the soil to build nutrient-dense food. So it's obviously vital that we do farm greener, for lack of a better word. And if you get nutrient density, that also obviously leads to a plant that's more resilient and resistant to pest and disease. So for a farmer that's starting out, your soil should be your focus point. You know, we want to farm soil and we don't really need to worry about the crop. We conventionally, we're very concerned about the crop. What type of crop we're going to buy, we're going to plant And we're not really concerned about the soil. But if we shift the focus to the soil, the crop, in my view, is a byproduct of that focus. And it'll be a nutrient-dense crop that'll stand you in good stead when it comes to fighting pests and disease. So if we go back to the healthy soil definition, a healthy soil's got to be aerobic, so it mustn't be compacted. And a lot of our agricultural soils today are compacted. We've got to have aerobic microbes. If we've got anaerobic microbes, we are going to land up with soil diseases, which will take your crop out, like Phytophthora, for example. We've got to have nutrient recycling and nutrients have been available to the plant. So that's where the microbes kick in. We've got to have high water holding capacity and good water filtration. So if you want high water holding capacity, you've got to have really good organic matter percentage in the soil or high carbon content in the soil. That is what holds your, your water in the soil. So if you're looking at, as an example, I know it's a bit, a bit extreme, but if I was going to go and spend a whole lot of money in building a dam, I'd almost prefer to spend that money on building organic matter and microbes in the soil because they will hold water in the soil for you. And you can hold, for every 1% organic matter in the soil, you can hold, and the figures may vary, but the principles remains the same. You can hold up to 100,000 litres of water in your soil. So if you think of a situation where you've got a drought or you don't have irrigation, there's one way that you can definitely store water in your soil through that process. If you've got all those things kicking in and you've got microbes kicking in, you will build a resilient or resistant plant is what we're actually aiming for. And that would normally then lead to less pest and disease disease that you're having to deal with. And the moment you land up in a situation where you're having to deal with pest and disease, we normally revert back to the old, where we will put chemicals down, combat these, and these obviously then start to have a negative impact all our microbes that we've got out there in the field. So for example, so let's look at what affects nutrient density. So things that are affecting nutrient density are all the fungicides and herbicides and pesticides that we're applying. What they actually are doing at the end is killing all the microbes that we've got in the soils and on our plants and in the, in the atmosphere. And we need those guys to help us make nutrients available, etc. The next one is also fertilizer. They also have an effect on nutrient density. So fertilizer actually is salt that you're putting into the soil, for lack of a better word. 
be a bit more clearer. And that's obviously adding, that leads to a stress plant. The moment you've got a stress plant, you land up with pest and disease issues. And the third thing that affects nutrient density would be UV deficiency. So if you've got a plant that doesn't have enough leaf surface area photosynthesizing, it's not going to give you nutrient density. So you need a healthy leaf with healthy microbes on the leaf surface area, also taking up space, ensuring that we don't get your non-beneficial microbes landing on the leaf surface area, which could lead to disease. So you need to be able to make sure you've got as much leaf surface area as possible out there to receive the sunlight to photosynthesize. And then the next thing that will also affect nutrient density will be your monoculturing, and that's mainly what agriculture is at the moment. I mean, you've got hectares and hectares of maize and maize only, or hectares and hectares of macadamium only and that leads to poor or lack of biodiversity so you need diversity as well to be nutrient density so those are some of the things that the farmers need to think about that when they if i'm going to apply a fertilizer i need to understand what i'm doing to the soil and if i know i'm having a negative impact on some of my microbes in the soil then i need to, how do i get them back into the soil if i'm applying a fungicide i know i'm having a negative impact on my microbes in the soil as well so if i'm going to take that process, what I'm going to do to rectify it afterwards. So there's, there's things that farmers need to think about every time they put down products that are having an impact on nutrient density. Thanks, Mark Hutton, Biospecialist at Andamat Madumbi. Tune in on Saturday for our Farmers Inside Track weekend podcast as we continue to chat about all things soil and root health. You definitely don't want to miss it. Next up, our Agripreneur 101 segment features juice and condiment maker Zakiswa Kirana. Now she says that you need surprisingly little to start your own small business. In fact, she advises that if you have 500 rand at your disposal, you have enough to start your journey into entrepreneurship. Zakiswa, tell me how you started Zuki's Homemade and how you got into agro-processing. Born in Lusikisiki, but I am currently living in Platenbeck Bay, Western Cape. I was raised by my grandmother. I started my company in late 2019. That thing, a business making juices and pastas and jam came so naturally to me. Because where I grew up in the Eastern Cape, we used to grow our own vegetables in the garden. I think the only thing that we had to buy from the shops is basically salt, flour and rice. Other than that, we had all the vegetables at home. We had chickens, everything, fruits, guavas strawberries, sweet potatoes, so we had our own garden at home. What drives you and what keeps you interested in the sector? I love working in the garden. If I had just one dream, I could buy myself a farm if I would make enough money. So I love waking up early in the morning, making smoothies and just making sure that I'm in good health. So also I would love to teach other people just the basics of healthy eating. Just add your creams in your meals. That's what motivates me. Do you have five tips or advice for agripreneurs who may want to follow in your footsteps? The advice I would give to people who are starting out, love what you're doing. Because when I'm making juices, I make sure I'm mentally prepared and I make food from love. I'm also still new, but I would say don't wait until you have like lots of money. If you have 500 rand and you're passionate about your business, you can just start. Do it because you love it. Also be consistent. 
Thanks, Zukiswa, juice and condiment maker and owner of Zuki's Homemade. I'm really impressed by entrepreneurs in Umzanzi, and the key focus is just start. Thanks, Duncan and Zukiswa Trehana, owner of Zuki's Homemade. Now, before we get into our book of the week, we first share some highlights from the On the Frontline of Food Security webinar presented by Fairplay and Foodform Zanzi. The good, the bad and the ugly of food security in South Africa, lifting the veil on how food security and social stability are interconnected. A strong focus was placed on how to broaden access, improve affordability and increase availability of locally produced fair. Our panelists in our last discussion highlighted the contrast prices of food versus the level of income, emphasizing that food at retail level is unaffordable to most South Africans. Now, access to safe and affordable food is critical for the survival of both humans and livestock. And with COVID-19 dominating the news and our lives for the past two years, it's easy to forget that food safety also has a significant impact on public health issues and statistics show that more than 200 foodborne diseases threaten South Africans and people across the globe. Now, food safety is often overlooked in areas suffering from famine, starvation and malnutrition. And these areas are also associated with poor hygiene, lack of access to clean water and properly washed and prepared food, which can be a death sentence when coupled with the associated lack of sanitation. Fairplay founder Francois Baird sets the scene for the discussion, highlighting the impact of dumping on local producers in Umzanzi. As you know, we founded Fairplay because we became concerned about the effect of dumping, which is uh, when certain parties sell products in South Africa, either below the cost of production or below the price they sell it in their local markets, or when food is, particularly food, is subsidized by the government. We know that many governments around the world have ways of providing support and subsidies to producers and to farmers in their countries. That's their right. But the effect of these practices in South Africa and all across Africa is that those at the lowest rung suffer the consequences first. So when a producer closes down a plant or a farm, a big commercial farmer has to go out of a certain business, for instance, in the chicken business, you will find that the people who lose their jobs can't find new jobs, mainly because very often food is produced in rural areas where jobs are scarce to begin with. The second thing we discovered is that there's a huge impact on small-scale rural farmers. And in South Africa, that means black farmers. And that they are subject to dumping and they're subject to all kinds of rules and regulations that are not applied to importers. Panelist Matlong Sitati, executive of the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa's Food Safety Initiative, responded to a question raised around food safety in Mzanzi, reflecting on the 2017 and 2018 South African listeriosis outbreak. She weighs in on what consumers should know when purchasing food from any retailer. I must truly agree that um, food safety is not a responsibility for one part of the value chain. From farm to fork, we are all responsible, including the consumers. But in as much as consumers are a part of this, as you mentioned, at a retail point, 
there is no way as a consumer, if you're shopping, you can take a product and then send it to the laboratory to confirm if the scientific side of things, the chemical, the physical and the microbiological hazards are okay in terms of your product. However, the simple things that consumers can do, and I think the assurance before we get to the consumer that we have in South Africa is that South Africa is a highly regulated, especially the food sector, it's highly regulated. We've got a number of regulations that we have in place from the departments, the various departments that are working together in terms of ensuring that food safety is maintained. And I think we're sitting comfortable that most of the role players in the sector are doing their utmost best to make sure that that is attained. But just on the consumer level, I would say as a consumer myself, even though we work with manufacturers and retailers, simple things like knowing how to read your labels. First and foremost, the date marking is quite imperative. We can't stop preaching about that particular education in terms of best before date. What does it mean? Expiry, what does it mean? So in essence, you need to look at your label. And I like this aspect of date marking because it affects a lot throughout the value chain in terms of your food waste and how you manage the food once you have purchased it. Take, for instance, food that has passed its best before date. That's where I shop. If I find a shop like that's where I shop, I get a product that is past its best before date. If I read the label and I'm informed that when I get home, the instructions say, store it in a dry condition not high temperature, that's what I would do at home. So labels are a critical aspect in terms of how we manage our food products. I know we've got energy problems in South Africa in a case of where people don't have generators and they're not able to maintain the temperature in their stores. When you get home as a consumer, just let's say, for instance, they might have missed that point of quality control or quality assurance. You get home, if you defrost in a refrigerator as safely to do so, you can smell, you can look at the product. Is it slimy? Are the cans bulging or are they having any leakages at the bottom? So that is the advice that we normally give to consumers, that simple check, that's how you can do it. Thanks for your insights. Matlu Sitati, Executive of the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa's Food Safety Initiative. If you'd like to watch the webinar, go to Food Form Zanzi's YouTube channel for more. Now for our Book of the Week, as chosen by Farmers. Start Your Own Business, the only startup book you'll ever need by Riva Lazansky. Packed with expert advice, this book demystifies the startup process with answers to the most commonly asked questions about starting a small business. Here's Riva talking about why she decided to write this book. And I've heard it, you know, bandied about a lot this week. One, don't worry about economic times. I mean, unless you're just don't even worry about it. Have your idea figure out how you're going to do it and go ahead and start your business. There was a a saying in the Bible that says, if you wait until the wind and the weather are just right, you will never reap or harvest anything, Mm -hmm. which basically boils down to any time is the right time. There's no such thing as the perfect time. So do it. And then one of the other things is everybody's been saying, and I think I even said it myself, you know, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. First of all, not everybody's going to love your passion because you're passionate about it. Doesn't mean there's an audience out there willing to pay money for it. And the other things, think about all the service businesses that you 
you use or even retail places that mm -hmm. you go to in the course of a day. I don't know that anybody spent their entire childhood saying, I want to grow up to be a dry cleaner. But right. we all go to the dry cleaners and dry there's cleaners. There's a need. There's a need. So right. sometimes don't focus on you and what your passion is. Look at what the audience, you know, the clientele wants. And if you can fill that need, that's really what's important. And it's okay for the big guys to come in, you know, Macy's or some other department store can come out with orange purses this year. But if you build your whole business around orange purses and you've got a three-month season, so last Nobody's year. Caring. So if you're a small business and you're getting started, look at the broader audience and don't focus on what's hot. Focus on what people need. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring. And that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens, the CO.ZA, or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Dawn, that definitely sounds like a must-read. Now remember, if you'd like to review a book or perhaps you have a book suggestion, feel free to email info at foodformzanzi.co.za. Now before we let you go, we now share our farmer tip of the week from livestock farmer and owner of Motabella Farming Enterprise, Ipaleng Kwadi. She says that farmers should get into the habit of measuring animal feed intake and wastage daily. Farmers with a lot of livestock on hand should consider reducing the number of cattle when they see that it is becoming too expensive to feed their animals. That way, your focus can be on producing on quality rather than quantity. I mean, what is the purpose of having 100 cattle, but their value is equal to that of 10 cows? And our farmer tip of the week from livestock farmer Ipilengwadi brings us to the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track. Proudly brought to you by Food Form Zanzi. For the daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to really go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube. That's correct, Dawn. And remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track is available for free on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, also on foodformzanzi.co.za. But from me, Duncan Masiwa, Dawn Numdu, Nicole Ludov, and our producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of Team Food from Zanzi, have a great week. What joins a continent but its continuous flow over mountains, through rivers, in the rhythm of the land? What ignites its future? but the promise to fulfill, to protect and grow the very life of tomorrow. This is why we do what we do under the African blue. Corteva. Keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.
www.zoe.com.au